Welcome to the Female CEO Show. I'm your host, Courtney Quinn. I'm a corporate dropout turned serial entrepreneur with a passion for helping female business owners step into your power and reach your full potential in business and in life. I'm on a mission to empower more women to become their own boss while teaching them how to do it in a healthy, scalable way that supports your dream life so that you're running a business and not owning a business that runs you. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur or you're still toying with the idea of diving into your own business, you're in the right place if you're looking for tools to support you as you are navigating the world of entrepreneurship as a woman, because I'm going to get real with you on how to do so. Let's dive in to today's episode. Hello, my biz besties. What is up? Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of the Female CEO Show podcast. This week, I am diving in and getting really nitty gritty with you on outsourcing and hiring. But like, I'm giving you my entire strategy, like my hiring process, word for word, step by step. I am giving it to you. This is a question that I get a lot about hiring. I know it's kind of a hot topic and something that we all have to go through. It's a growing pain and kind of making those first few hires can be really difficult. And I have been really fortunate to have figured out a really solid process that has helped me build an incredible team that truly helps me run my business and allows me to prioritize my quality of life like I am able to inside of my business. And so you outsourcing is how you reach the next level in your business. Like I truly believe that if you have these grand visions for your life, your freedom, your finances, like all of this, like it's going to be very hard to attain that as a solopreneur. There's nothing wrong if you are a solopreneur at all, but if you are really looking to like take that leap and really have a business that provides you that like time, financial, location, freedom, all of the things, like it's going to take outsourcing and hiring. So let's talk about it. First and foremost, in the process, you have to determine where you need to hire and win. Likely your first hire, you're going to realize that you need to hire someone when you are drowning. Like you are treading water so freaking hard every day, just trying to keep your head above the surface so you don't drown. And that is a really good sign that you need to hire, even if it's not your first hire. I kind of just went through that same feeling myself of like, oh, like this is getting to be a lot. Like I feel like I'm really treading water. Like I feel like I am fighting really hard to like not drown, to make sure that I'm staying ahead, all of those things. And I was like, Courtney, these are indications that you need to hire. So I hired an executive assistant and literally within two weeks, like my life and my business is so completely different. It is, oh, it's incredible. I am so, so happy having this new addition to my team. So it's likely time for you to outsource and you can outsource things that you just like don't like. So like my business is a digital marketing agency. So I was doing social media management. The first thing I outsourced was Instagram engagement. 
you know, the liking, commenting on other people's pages to kind of put your brand in front of them. We were doing that for clients. I was doing that for clients. (laughs) I was doing that. And I was doing that a lot. And at first, like when I first started my business, I thought that was the coolest freaking thing ever that I could get paid to do that. I loved it. And then when I had like six clients who all needed 30 minutes of engagement a day, like boom, there was three hours just like on my phone, like monotonous, mind-numbing work going through and doing that while still trying to like build a business and doing all of the other things inside of it. Like that was just one task. I didn't like it. It was time consuming. That was the first thing that I outsourced. It was easy to outsource. It's easy to train someone to do that. I didn't enjoy the work. It wasn't necessarily my zone of genius or something that I looked forward to doing every day. Actually, I kind of started to dread it every day. So that's another good indicator of something you can outsource. If there's something that you drag your feet so hard to do, you know the thing. You know what I'm talking about. Don't tell me that you don't. There's a thing that's on your to-do list that constantly gets pushed to tomorrow and tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, and it never gets done because you hate the thought of even doing it so much that you don't even want to do it. That's something to outsource (laughs) because let's be honest, like you're not doing it anyways. You're not doing it well. You're not excited to do it. You're not happy to do it. Outsource it to someone else that might enjoy it, that will enjoy it, that might have the ability to do a better job than you. This kind of leads me into the next point. Um, Someone asked on Instagram, like, how do I let go? How do I let go of that control to be able to outsource? And this is a growing pain that everyone is going to experience. And I get it. I really do. Because your business is your baby. And so many solopreneurs, I feel like, suffer for so long because of this belief that we have that nobody can do this as well as I can. It's my business. I'm the only one that can do this. And I'm just here to tell you that is not true at all. Because there are those things inside of your business that you don't enjoy, that you don't like, that you have to drag your feet to do, that you dread doing, that aren't in your zone of genius, that are just like monotonous and time consuming and don't actually take a lot of skill, that you could hire someone else to do for you. And it will open up Not only will it open up time for you in your day, it opens up energy for you. It gives you more time to breathe, to think, to be creative, and to kind of take your business to the next level and take that time where you were doing this monotonous, like soul-sucking work that you hate, and you don't have to do that anymore. Like it completely changes the game. But there are things that people are going to be able to do better than you. And I really feel like coming to that realization is huge because for so long, like it's your business, it's your baby. You're the only one that can do it. But I got to a point in my business where I was so overwhelmed. I was doing way too many things. And I was like, I'm actually doing my clients a disservice right now by juggling all of these plates because I can't show up as my best self at my best version When I am doing all of these things, half of them I don't like, half of them are just like running me dry energy wise and like brain power wise. And these other things like I don't even like, or I'm not actually that good at them. Like, why am I holding on to this control so tightly? 
when you hire, it also doesn't mean that you just have to like completely like poof, like it's gone. Like you should still be very hands-on with this process and with this person as they're getting started. Be a little bit of a micromanager if that makes you feel better about it. Um, but you really do kind of have to build that trust with your team when they first come on before you are able to allow them to go off and do their own thing. So you don't have to worry about it. So there is kind of like a leeway, like there's a safety net when you hire someone on that letting go of control. I feel like we feel like as soon as we hire, like, boom, it's out of our control, but it's only out of your control once you let it be completely out of your control. Do you know what I mean? Like you can hold their hand for 30, 60, 90 days as they're getting into this process, but also as you are getting into that process of managing a team. And you guys can kind of do that together. One of my first hires was 18 years old. And I intentionally did this at the start of my business because I did not have a lot of money to pay someone who was like an expert and was charging like a crazy amount of money per hour or per month. Like I didn't have that kind of money, but what I did have was time. I had outsourced a huge chunk of my time on a daily basis. And so I decided that I was going to reinvest that time into someone and help really train that person and hold their hand and kind of walk them through all of that. So that's also an option too, because I know finances can come into this as well. You should be pricing your services in a way that allow you to outsource. And if they aren't priced that way now, and you do want to outsource like all new clients, all new products, all new services, whatever you're doing, increase the price and make room for that. Now, this is this is just the reality of business though. You have to you have to work with me here. You will not still take home the same amount of money per client that you do when you hire someone. At least I don't believe that you should. I don't think you should jack up your prices. So, say okay, so say like we'll just use some like easy numbers here. Say that you charge a client $1,000 a month. The contractor that you're going to hire needs $500 a month to do the work. I don't like just tacking that $500 onto the price tag for the client. So you're still getting all of that profit. I don't, I just like, I don't really vibe with that. I don't love it. If you do that and that works for you, amazing. Something for me, like ethically, I don't love it. But I also have an understanding that like as the CEO, I take chunks. I get pieces of each client. So I could have 10 clients and have three different contractors across those 10 clients. They each get to take home money from three of them, but I'm taking home money from all 10 of them. So it kind of evens out that way, but make sure you are still getting paid enough from your clients for the work that you are still doing for them and for the time that you're putting in and for the work that you're doing in the back end, You have to make sure that you are getting paid an amount of money that makes you excited to show up for your work, for your clients on a daily basis. And once that starts fluctuating, if you're like, mm, this is like, this is not worth my time. This is not worth my energy. You start having those thoughts, those feelings. It's time to raise your prices. 
what amount of money would make you excited? What would amount of money would reinvigorate you to be showing up for this client at that peak level that you need to be, to be providing them your best service? So you have to make sure that you are getting paid enough. But that was a little bit of a growth pain too in outsourcing was that all of a sudden, like I went from taking home $1,000 a month from a client to only taking home $500 a month, $600 a month, $400 a month, whatever per client. And so that was a big change. But what outsourcing did was open up my capacity. It gave me more room to bring on more clients. It gave me more time to do lead gen. It gave me more time to do more sales calls. It gave me more time to bring on more clients and to work with more clients. And so I feel like sometimes we get like our blinders on and all we can see is like, oh my gosh, I'm going to take a pay cut. I'm going to take a pay cut. And you can't see past that, that like, well, wait, it's only temporary and it should help skyrocket my income because I will be able to work with 10 clients instead of three. So there's a lot of like mental gymnastics that you kind of have to go through as you are making that first hire. And I just want to validate that all for you, but also help you work through it. Like that shouldn't be something that stops you. I'm going to give you some like business big sister tough love right now. If you have dreams, visions, goals, big lofty visions, dreams, and goals for your life, for your business, you have to let go of that control and you have to be okay with bringing other people into your business. You have to get to that point where you were like, you know what? I accept that I am not the best at everything that I am doing and welcome in other people who are the best at what they are doing. And that was my mindset when I started building my team was I'm going to stay in my zone of genius I'm going to work in my zone of genius. I'm going to do what I am good at. And I'm going to outsource everything else that I am not the best at. So my clients aren't getting half-ass work. They are getting top-notch work from experts. Everyone was an expert in their field, in what they were doing. And I did, like I siloed everybody. Like you do this, you do this. You're the expert in this. This is what you do. And that way everyone was performing at their top level, doing the work that they loved and enjoyed. And that showed through in our clients and in our results and in the work that we were doing. You have to get to that place where you can accept that. And there's nothing wrong with it. It is okay. Like we are not all great at everything. If you have like one passion, one skill, and that's what you were able to build your business off of, amazing. But there are so many other things that come up in the background with business ownership. Like let's talk about like bookkeeping. Let's talk about sending contracts and invoices. Let's talk about email management. Like all this stuff that you're like, this is not like, this is not what I wanted. This is not why I got into this. There's so much admin work, behind the scenes, back end work that comes with being a CEO that comes with being a business owner that you just like don't necessarily see coming or expect. Those are things that can be outsourced too. That doesn't have to take your time and energy and focus. The things that are pulling you away from your zone of genius, outsource them. 
I, I, we use Dubsado in our agency. I don't like Dubsado. I think it is confusing. I think I don't like Dubsado. Okay. I don't like it. I am not a fan. So I, I, I hired someone to just take care of all that shit in there for me because I don't want to deal with Dubsado at all. So it was one of those things that I would drag my feet on, but the invoices need to be sent out. The contracts need to be sent out. Like Dubsado was very important. And what Dubsado does for my business is very important. But I didn't like using Dubsado. So I hired someone who was way better at using Dubsado than I was. Knows all the ins and outs, the tips, the tricks, and is able to automate stuff and do all the cool shit in it that I was never able to figure out. And have her handle it for me. And it was amazing. So look to those tiny things. Like you don't have to be giving away like entire clients. Like it can be small little pieces at a time that you can give away. And it can be client facing work. It can be behind the scenes work. It can be a combination of both. The last thing I will say, like the re- a realization that you have to, you have to come to and something that you kind of have to like come to terms with as you are starting to outsource as you're starting to hire as you're starting to build a team is that you have to be okay with becoming a manager. You are now like a manager. You are becoming a manager of people. You have a team that you have to manage. And that is also a weird shift. Like CEOs are really just like managers of a bunch of people. And there are like ways that you can kind of circumnavigate that a little bit. Like you can hire like a team manager. So you only have to deal with like one person and not like 10 people. Um, It's just kind of whatever works for you, but you do kind of have to come to terms with that, that like you are going to be a manager. So now that we've gone into a little bit of the like mental work, the mindset work that needs to come into play first as you are deciding to grow and expand and hire and outsource, let's dive into my hiring process. Like exactly. So you have to find where you need to hire, what you need to hire for, and then you need to give yourself a timeline you need to give yourself like a time frame on like, ideally, I want my new hire to start on this date. Like give yourself a time frame to work with. I typically make the hiring process like about like a three week process. I will get the application made. I will get it shared, uploaded into the places that it needs to go. I'll give it like a week to gather applicants. Um, and then I will review the applicants and then I will spend a week, uh, hire or hiring, interviewing people. And then I will make a decision. So it's about like a two to three week process for me. Typically it can be shorter too, if you don't want that many applicants, which is what I just did with my most recent hire. I only left the application up for a few days, only got a handful of applications, which actually made it like so much less overwhelming because I had been in the past, like I would post the application in like so many Facebook groups. I would get so many applications. I actually just looked before I started recording. I use the same Google form application 
just like over and over and over again. And then I'll just like change a few things in it. And it has over 800 responses. That's a lot. Like that can be really overwhelming. So if you want to manage the amount of people that are applying, keep it open for a shorter time frame and then limit the places that you share it. But I'll kind of, I'll talk about that more in a second. Um, but that way, like give yourself that timeline, which not only like it gives you a light at the end of the tunnel too. Like, you know, like, okay, whew, I only have two more weeks, three more weeks of having to do all of this work. Then there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it is going to be great. So then you need to create your application. I just use something super simple in Google Forms. I do a detailed overview of the position of the company and who the role is best for in the like description. And then these are the questions I ask in my application. I'm just like, I'm just giving you all the information here. So obviously like name, email, location is very important to me, especially just with contractors and how many people overseas there can be. I typically prefer working with people in North America. One, when it comes to social media, like it's a little less sketchy for the accounts to be logged in by other people when it's in like the same continent, like when your accounts are getting logged into from like India and stuff, I just think that's a little sketch. And like, yes, you can use VPNs, but I still just like, I think it's a little sketch, but I really like everybody being in the same kind of like time zone, kind of having like the same work hours. Um, so working with people who are overseas and like who are sleeping when you're awake and vice versa, like that can be really frustrating. It can be really difficult. And in my opinion, it's not worth it for the cheap work. And typically there is like a little bit of a disconnect and it is very dependent on what you are hiring for. But like when it comes to communicating, like written communication, if English isn't their first language, like there is just going to be like those nuances. There are going to be little things that just don't quite match up. And I really want it to look seamless for our clients and for like their clients and their customers um, to make everything look really seamless and natural. I like us to be like very behind the scenes. Um, so I want it to feel like a very natural extension of our clients. And so I kind of have to think of my clients as well as I am making these hires and what will be the right fit for them. So location is a very, very important to me. I always make sure to ask that. Then I ask about their experience in a role like this. I want to know if they have experience. I want to know like why they're interested in this role. Like what is drawing them to it? Like, I feel like you need to know about what they know about this role in particular. Otherwise, why, why are you applying? Why would you want to hire them if they don't know anything about it? Um, and then I just do like a, like a tell me about yourself. Just so like open the floor, whatever you want to tell me about yourself, like, let me know. Um, and then availability is huge for me as well. Um, I want to know the hours that people are available to work, the days that people are available to work. You'd be surprised. Like some people only want to work like four or three days a week. And like, if that works for them, that's awesome. But like, I typically want someone who is available for work like five days a week, since that's what I am working. I want us to kind of be on those same schedules. 
And then I'll ask for their rate, like what their hourly rate is or monthly rate, whatever. Um, and there are two different ways you can go about that with pay. Like you can set the pay and be like, I'm willing to pay X amount of money per month for this. Or you can ask people what their rate is and you can kind of filter people out that way as well and find different people who work within your budget. Um, so it just kind of, it's kind of up to you. And then I really like to ask what people's five-year vision is for their career. It just gives me a sense of like, are they in this for the long haul or is this just like a quick little fix for them? It's not really a right or wrong answer. Some positions I do want people to stick around and grow, but it's not necessarily a deal breaker, but I like to know what their plans are, what their visions are, what their goals are and dreams are. And then I'll ask like, you know, their strengths and weaknesses. I really like hearing about people's strengths, like what they feel like they are really good at. And then I'll ask like, why should I hire you? Like, you know, it kind of is like that one last shot for them to shoot and like put their name in the hat and like a humble brag on themselves. So I like to ask that. And then I always ask for their portfolio as well, um, just so I can see some results or, you know, that they have like experience. They've got a professional air or business to them. And then the last thing that I like to do in my application, it's a little like controversial maybe, but I love it. It works so well. It gets the job done. I put like a teeny tiny little attention to detail test in there. Um, like in the description, Typically, like somewhere in there, I'll squeeze something in and it's like, include the word rabbit in your answer to number four or something like something random, but it shows me that they read it, that they read the job description, that they paid attention. Attention to detail is huge for me. And there are so many people who just burn and turn through these applications and those are not people that I want to hire. Like people who are just like applying to every single job that they see on autopilot. Like why? Uh, not interested, you know? Um, I want someone who has attention to detail because this is something that I've learned. Like this is not something that I always did. It's something I more recently implemented into my hiring process and it is working wonders. But kind of had to learn the hard way of like people coming in and not paying attention to detail, people messing up and the work that I do, like uh, it requires a high attention to detail. Like the details matter to me. Like your spelling matters to me. Making sure that you read things through like really matters to me. So I will include just a little, a little something, something. And in the most recent round of hiring I did, that knocked out a third of the applicants right off the bat. I am that was the first thing I did when I looked at the app applications. I went to question number four and looked for the the word, the code word, to see if they put it in there. If they didn't put it in there, they were immediately out. Immediately out. Out. Gone done for made my life easy. Like, yeah, go ahead. Make my job easy for me. Tell me 
right away that you are not going to be the like level of employee that I need. Tell me right away that you are going to have a poor attention to detail because the way I see it is your application, like that is your first impression. It should be good. And I feel like so many people just fly through these and are so lazy and are so sloppy because there are so many people out there who want to be self-employed, who want to be working for themselves, who want to be virtual assistants or whatnot, who want to be entrepreneurs and are just absolutely desperate for work that they just fly through those applications and apply to every single job. And I will also typically put um, like requirements for the job. Like you must have experience in this or you must be like a, a big one for me a lot of times, especially if it's client facing is you must be located in North America. So then I'll go through location. Anyone who's not located in the United States, Canada or Mexico, they're out. So this is something that's going to help you weed through all of the applications create non-negotiables for yourself. Like find like two or three things that are like non-negotiables for you in the hire that you want and weed out everyone else that doesn't have that. If it's their pay, like if, if like your budget only allows for you to pay someone like no more than $35 an hour, okay, that makes it easy for you to knock anybody out who is charging $75, an hour. And I go through these first because it just makes it easy. It doesn't waste my time having to read through it, but also it doesn't allow me to like fall in love with someone who I know isn't going to be a good fit in the end. Like it's the worst when you read someone's application and you're like, oh my gosh, she's perfect. I love her. She's amazing. She's great. She's incredible. She has so much experience. Okay. Yeah. And she charges $200 an hour. So that all makes sense. I can't afford that, but like, I love her and it just makes it harder. So just go in with those non-negotiables and knock them out. So for me, it's pay, location, and that little like code word test. And those are my three non-negotiables. And that really helps narrow the field down on people who I know are going to be a good fit. And then I'll actually read through the rest of the applications that I have. And if they're, oh, availability is also one that's very important to me. Like if someone has weird availability, like they're only available like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, or something like, I don't just like, there are some, there are some weird ones out there. There are some people who like don't work on Mondays. I'm like, ah, oh, I kind of, I kind of need you on Monday. Like that's kind of a big day for us around here. So those are the things that I look at to narrow down the field really, really helpful. Find your non-negotiables, but then you have to stick to them. Like you guys, you have to have standards when you are hiring, just like in dating, you have to have standards when you are hiring. You have to have these non-negotiables and you have to hold to them. You have to honor them. That means even if you are drowning in work and you post this application, you are so desperate to bring someone on and there is no one in your applicant pool that is a good fit. That does not mean that you settle for the, the best one of the bunch and just, oh well, and move on with it. No, you delete all those applications, you scrap it, you post again, and you get a new round of applications in. And you do that until you find the perfect fit. 
You have to have standards. You cannot settle when you are hiring. If you have red flags, if you have bad gut feelings, like just listen to your gut now and save yourself so much pain and suffering and trial and error, okay? Just make the right hire the first time. Spend the time and energy. Put the intention into it. Hire the right person first and it is going to make your life so much easier. Like you don't want to have to go through this process again in another one, two or three months because the person that you hire is terrible at what they do or is a shitty human. Do it right the first time and you only have to do it once. So I go through all of the applicants and I will pick my top three. I used to do five. That was too many. Three. I narrow it down to three. And then I will send those top three people an email inviting them to a Zoom. Sometimes not all three will respond. Not all three will schedule a call. So that knocks another one out. And then I'll hop on a call, on a Zoom call. And that way you can kind of like virtually meet. You can feel out the vibes because you have to think too, like, is this a human being that I want to work with every single day? Is this a person that I can trust my business with? It's really important for me to do a Zoom call and just kind of get the vibes, see if you're a personality fit, see if you guys click. Um, So then in the interview, these are some questions that I like to ask. So like, what made you apply to this role? What excites you about this role? Um, How did you get in to XYZ, you know, like whatever the role is. Um, and like, tell me more about your experience. Um, have you ever like had any jobs in the past that are similar to this? Um, what kind of like tasks inside of this interest you? Like what kind of work do you really like to do? Um, and what kind of work do you not like to do? I like to ask that because I like to be able to cater it to my team as much as possible. Like if I know one girl really loves like making TikToks and reels and another one doesn't, okay, awesome. Like there's a synergy because I want my team to love the work that they do. I don't want to give them a bunch of work that they don't like doing because then they're not going to like their job. They're not going to do a good job at their job and they're likely going to end up quitting their job. So I really, like I try and get that information so I can really cater the position to them as much as possible and like synergize between different team members. And then I like to ask them about themselves. Like what, you know, like what are your passions outside of work? Like, what do you like to do outside of work? Um, what do you like to do for fun? Like, what are some values that are important to you in your life? Um, and then I like to ask their, like their vision, their growth plan, their dreams too. But like that way, like it's fun to work with people who you like, like if you have common interests, like it makes things more fun. So I always like to ask some personal questions. Um, but then you need to remember too, that this person is interviewing you just as much as you were interviewing them. Like they are seeing if they want to work with you just as much as you are seeing if you want to work with them. So keep that in mind too. Like they are also interviewing you. So be sure to allow plenty of time for questions, like really open up the floor to them. Um, And I always take more time to like one-on-one, like face-to-face describe the role to them and give them more details on like the support that I'm looking for and kind of like what I envision us working together 
looking like and the work that they would be doing on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to really give them all of that information. Because at the end of this, they need the information to make an informed decision for themselves as well. Um, So then I will hop off the call and I will always say like, thank you so much for your time. Like I still have another call. Like I still have another interview or two, even if I don't, but that just makes it nice and easy to get off of the zoom. And then you can kind of like process. And even like, I have done this before where I'm like, yeah, like I still have like another call or I still have another interview. And then I'll like get off the call and literally like email the person and be like, I'd love to offer you the job. Like if you just know they're a fit, like run with your gut, go for it. Um, like you don't have to like play any games or anything, but, and then go ahead and offer them the job. Um, but also know that they might not accept too. So that's kind of why we interview a few, a few of our top favorites. And then, um, you might be surprised too, that like, this happens a lot to me. Like my favorite on paper in the application is not always my favorite on zoom. So I think it's really important to have that zoom call just to really like feel out the vibes and get to know someone. Um, if this, like, if you guys are enjoying this, like if this is beneficial, let me know. We don't have enough time in this episode to really dive into like onboarding and like managing a team. But if this is information that you guys are interested in, I would be happy to do another episode on like onboarding team management and all of that fun stuff. And if you are like getting value out of this episode and this conversation, you are going to absolutely love what I'm coming out with later this month on May 22nd it launches so make sure you're following me on instagram at it's courtney quinn to get all of the details um i'll be announcing it and giving like a lot of information on the 15th um but if you're following along with me now on instagram you know that i am like sharing so many little like sneak peeks and giving you lots of hints because i am so excited i am like bursting at the seams with excitement of how epic this is going to be. So be sure to be following along there for all of that, but know that like so much more of this is coming. Oh my gosh, you guys, it's going to be so good. I'm so excited. Okay. Um, and then just to kind of like round this out, a few things to look out for when you're hiring, like, like learn from me, learn from my mistakes, my lessons, don't make them yourself. Look for someone who is putting their best foot forward, who is not just like flying through the application, who is not being lazy, who like is genuinely there because they want to be there because they are excited about it because they're excited about the work. They're excited about you. They're not just excited about the paycheck. Those people will not last. Those people will not last. Make sure this person like has attention to detail. It carries themselves professionally all of these things are just going to help you have a much better employee and a much better like employee manager experience. It's just going to be so much better working together. Um, if they kind of like match your vibe and match your energy of how you hold yourself and how you present yourself, find someone who matches that. And you want someone who's willing to follow directions. That's why I put that like little attention to detail thing in there too. Um, or like put the requirements on location. Like if I say like low re- requirement located in North America and someone from the Philippines applies, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like 
I'm absolutely not going to hire you because you aren't reading or you are intentionally like not following directions. Like absolutely not. That is not what I want in an employee. Um, and don't hire your friends. Don't hire your friends. I, or my rule of thumb is like, I just don't, I don't hire people I know. I hire people I do not know, like that I am not connected with because I really feel like it inhibits you from being able to show up as your true CEO self. I have had multiple people actually from high school reach out to me wanting a job. I can't do it. I can't do it. No matter how nice they are, no matter how much like social media knowledge they have, like it's just going to be an added level of weirdness of confusion I don't know but like can't do it hard no for me because I know that they're like it will just be harder to show up as your CEO self it will be harder for you to like enforce things that need to be done it will harder be harder for you to show up as the boss it will be harder for you to be the boss when you have people who like know you personally because it's just going to get in your head It's going to give you like weird imposter syndrome and you'll be like, well, who am I to like tell her that like, this is the deadline? Who am I to be like, oh, like, no, like I need this done now. Or like, it's going to make like, um, feedback, like awkward. Like you need to have people who can take feedback and you need to be comfortable giving feedback. So having like any sort of other like personal relationship in there is just going to make things messy. I don't recommend it. And especially if you are like good friends, like it will ruin your friendship. Like it, it, I won't say it will, but it really could. And like, it will add just like an added layer of confusion and messiness in your relationship when like, I really feel like your friends should stay your friends and your team should stay your team. And it doesn't mean like you can't be friendly with your team or that they can't be like, you know, like your virtual friends and all of that. But I think you really need to have that separation to be able to build a successful business and to be able to show up at that level that you need to be as the CEO, as the manager. Okay. Hopefully this was helpful. This is my entire hiring process. It's super simple. Like it doesn't have to be this whole elaborate thing, but it is tried and true. I have found some incredible people and that I've been working with for a very long time. Like I am very proud of the retention rate that I have inside of my business with my team. And it's because I put time and intention into the hiring process, but also like I have continued to nurture them as team members, as employees to make sure that they love their job. I am realizing that I never talked about posting your application, kind of brushed over that one. So rewind a little bit here. What I like to do is I post in Facebook groups um, and you can do Upwork as well. The thing with Upwork that makes things a little bit more difficult is you can't really put your application there. You know, like they have to submit the cover letter with their um, portfolio or whatever. Um, I guess you are able to like ask questions on your Upwork application, but I feel like you just can't get quite as in-depth or specific as you can in your own Google form. Um, But if that helps you, like I do feel like sometimes the caliber of people can be a little higher on Upwork. So 
that is an option as well is Upwork. Um, but I love Facebook groups for posting. Um, and I'll just do like a quick little post like, Hey, I'm hiring, like now hiring for like this job position. And then I'll typically just say like, um, like find the description, find the job description and requirements at the link. And then people can self lead themselves there. And that has worked very, very well for me. So that's a little bit about my hiring process. Let me know if you have other questions um, or need more support in this. And then let me know if you'd be interested kind of in like a continuation of this conversation when it comes to onboarding and actually like managing and nurturing your team. I'd be happy to do an episode on that. Be sure that you are following me on Instagram and TikTok at it's Courtney Quinn um, for more information on what is coming later this month. Oh my goodness. And if you are getting value out of these episodes, it would mean the absolute world to me if you left a review wherever you are listening to your podcasts, just to help us get the word out on the show to more people. It would truly, truly mean the world. Thank you so, so much for listening to this week's episode of Biz Bestie, and I will see you on Instagram and TikTok, and I will catch you in the next episode.